Welcome to The Momologist, a mom's best resource, where we take Mama Knows Best to a whole new level. The Momologist podcast uncovers information and advice straight from the experts. From innovative theories to controversial claims, and even the familiar hot topics, we're here to put a magnifying glass on it all by interviewing industry leaders and specialists in their field. I'm your host, Sasha Culpepper, a parenting podcaster and digital creator, mommy of two little boys, and a complete mom nerd. For more information about The Momologist, visit our website at theofficialmomologist.com. 153 million. This is roughly the amount of orphans worldwide, according to UNICEF. Every day, an estimated 5,700 more children become orphans. These are astonishing and unfortunate statistics. Millions of people consider growing their family through adoption each year, but only a small percentage of those who consider adoption actually move forward. While there are numerous reasons for this, there are some common issues for these roadblocks. In this episode, we are joined by Mary Beth Chapman, the president of Show Hope, a faith-based nonprofit organization located in Franklin, Tennessee. Show Hope exists to care for orphans and works to restore hope by breaking down barriers that exist between waiting children and loving families. In this conversation, we discuss the history behind Mary Beth and her family's journey into adoption and the creation of Show Hope. We also discuss the three common barriers to adoption that Show Hope is addressing and the type of adoptive support their organization extends to families. Mary Beth Chapman is a New York Times bestselling author, speaker, and the wife of Grammy and Dove Award-winning recording artist, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Momologist. We are so excited to welcome a very special guest with us today, and that is Mary Beth Chapman, co-founder of Show Hope. Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me um, on the show. So excited to be here. Wonderful. I am very excited to have you as well. Um, well, I'd like to jump right into things. Um, can you give us a little bit of a backstory? And let me also let our listeners know today we are talking about common barriers to adoption. Um, so Mary Beth, can you give us a bit of a backstory on how you came into the adoption space and what your journey was like going into sure. that? Sure. Um, so in 1997, which will date me, that was a long time ago, 1997, <laughs> um, my then 11-year-old daughter, my oldest child, Emily, and I went to Haiti. We took a trip with Compassion International, a great organization that does a lot of great work worldwide. And um, we went to see their work and we were part of a group out of our church. And it was such an impactful um, several days that she and I got to spend together. And quite frankly, we came home and she just could not um, let this go out of her heart. There was something really stirring around. And so she came to her dad and I and said, I really think we have room at our table. And I think that you guys should consider what it would look like um, for us to adopt. And I remember Stephen, you know, he kind of kids and says, you know, I, I looked at her and said, that's a wonderful idea for your family someday. So you should really pray, you know, pray about that. But <laughs> but really, you know, secretly we were we were looking at each other going, you know, we don't want to shoot her faith down. And we also know that she's an 11 year old. So what do we do? And I mean, she was writing lists, Christmas lists. She was writing contracts, having her brother sign that they would help in this journey. 
she came to us and said, we might be living in disobedience to God if we wow, don't consider yeah. what it would be like for our family to step into the space. Long story short, we just really committed to pray about it. And um, as people of faith, we just committed to pray and we continued to pray. And a uh, long story short, in 2000, that found us in the hallway of a hotel in China receiving our first of three daughters, um, Shohana Hope, that came to us through the miracle of adoption. And then in 2002 uh, or three, that was Stevie Joy. And then 2004 was Maria. Um, however, it was in that first adoption of Shohana that my heart kind of expanded so many sizes, kind of like, you know, the Grinch at Christmas, my heart just grew. And I was really confronted with my own spiritual adoption story, I think. Um, And Stephen and I really just began pondering what it would look like to use his platform and my voice and newfound love of this experience to really um, help engage other people. We saw so many children in China that needed homes. And obviously that's a story that is global. There's children worldwide as well as right here in our own backyard that need the loving permanency of a family. And so what would it look like to then begin to use our platform to really help at that point in 2000 was to break down this financial barrier. Cause so many people were like, we would consider that and do that. But the financial barrier was so great to adoption. So we began um, a work called show hope um, founded in 2003 after my husband would say, I began writing check. You mean you would consider this and money is all that's standing in your way? Okay, we're going to help you, help you, help you. And he says I was writing checks faster than he was writing songs. So we had to do (laughs) something to formalize. So we began Show Hope in 2003. And we've had so many amazing partners and donors and families step into this work that today in 2021, we have helped over 7,900 families. complete their adoptions through the um, work of our adoption aid grant. So really exciting that's that people would come together in this amazing work. And so we're very blessed to be part of it. Wonderful. That, that sounds amazing. And what exactly uh, was the inspiration behind the, the name show hope? Okay. So our first daughter uh, is Shohana mm-hmm. hope and Shohana was a real specific name, kind of one that we made up. Show S-H-A-O, means laughter in Chinese, kind of like the laughter Sarah and Abraham laughed when they found out they were going to have Isaac because we were older and we were kind of starting our family all over again. We had Mm -hmm. three natural children, and now we were stepping into the supernatural children realm, and and so that was the first part of her name, and then Hannah is gift of God's grace, and so her name, Shohana Hope, is what we originally founded the organization as, Shohanna's Hope. Well, wow. we found out quickly that nobody could spell it, and it was always a confusion on the internet. <laughs> and so we had internally begun calling it Show Hope as a nickname until one day somebody, I think, at the office said, well, it's kind of really what we do, Show Hope. So we transitioned the name to Show Hope, um, which is what we hope to do. And so that that is where the name came from. So it's really named wow. after our first daughter, Shohanna Hope. That is wonderful. I would have never guessed that that I did hear a little bit of of similarity when you said her name at first, but I had to ask because there's always interesting stories behind names for for people. Yeah. So thank you so much for um, breaking that down. Let's jump into adoption and okay. the three common barriers um, that Show Hope is addressing. Um, I saw that financial barriers is one of them. Right. Um, I think this is. First of all, you hear about adoption and you think that when kids are adopted and they go home, they live happily ever after and 
that's it. That's the end of the story. And I think, you know, reading more about your organization has been so illuminating for me um, because it really just challenges that typical thought process unless you're in the space and learning about it. That's right. Yeah. So please do uh, give us a little bit more information on that first barrier, the financial barrier and how Show Hope is addressing it. Yeah. So show, you know, show hope does exist to break down barriers to adoption. Our original mission statement is still the mission statement today is to care for orphans by engaging the church in, um, in, um, breaking down barriers to adoption. And we do that in three ways. It, like you said, financial, um, medical and knowledge. And really, and again, in 1997, uh, when I went on that trip to 2000, when we adopted Shoei, we, Stephen and I, um, we thought love was enough, right? When we adopted, it was just like, love is enough. This is where God's leading us. We're going to adopt Shoei. We saw this huge financial barrier. The financial barrier was adoption is expensive. It can be anywhere from twenty-five dollars to $50,000. That's still true today, depending on where you adopt, what country you adopt from, whether it's a domestic adoption, international adoption, all of these things, you know, have varying expenses. Mm-hmm. And so really, Show Hope was founded to really break down that first barrier, which was the financial barrier. So many families we heard saying back then, we would consider this, we just don't have the finances. And so I would say to that, don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid to step into something because finances may be a barrier. We've seen time and time again, God just bring people together. Show Hope doesn't, um, give a grant for the entire adoption amount because what we love seeing is people partnering and going deep with these families. And so we see if we can give a big chunk of the adoption aid expense to a family, then we see, you know, community groups, churches, neighborhoods, schools, people that you're in, you know, your extended family, people really wrapping their arms around a family and kind of adopting them, so to speak, to kind of help carry that process through. So we've really seen that work really Uh, be solidified over the last 20 years in the work of Show Hope. So that's kind of the financial barrier. The medical barrier is so many of these uh, children that are adopted have medical needs, right? They have ongoing physical medical care. Um, The ways in which Show Hope has addressed that, the last 10 years we have had a um, work in China where we have helped medically fragile children um, become whole and healthy and either move towards adoption. Um, we've cared for over, I think, 27, 2800 children. We know for sure that 800 of those children have moved into adoptive families worldwide. We know that another third of those children have been um, made help made healthy enough to move back into an orphanage situation where then they can move towards adoption. And then we also over the past 10 years have helped um, medically um, give care to children who may may be so ill that they pass on, but they pass on with dignity and the love and care of um, nannies and people who love them. So for the last 10 years, we've done that. Um, it has become increasingly challenging, as you might expect. Um, the work in China has become really difficult to do. So about um, a year and a half ago, we began a transition out of China Um, really began to seek how do we now meet this medical barrier to adoption. Um, Over a year ago, we we launched medical care grants. And what that looks like is any family who has adopted a child that has ongoing medical care can apply for a medical care grant. And we know that so many of these children do have insurances and different, uh, different programs that pick up some of these costs, but there are still 
lots of things that are not covered. And so we began stepping into what's called medical care grants where you can apply every three years. You can you can receive three grants up until that child is 18 years old. And so if you are listening to this podcast and have adopted a child from anywhere in the world, um, you can apply if you have medical care need. We would love, love, love to partner with you and kind of go deeper with you. Stephen and I's thoughts over these last 20 years have always been we don't really um, desire to go really wide with something. We really desire to go deep. And so, you know, after the financial barrier, you know, kind of got put in place by us giving adoption aid grants, then how can we step into even deeper things? Like you said, adoption doesn't end when it's finalized. It's just beginning. And there's a myriad of things that um, we can help support families along the way, uh, like medical care grants. Another area that we work in is the knowledge barrier. We seek to break down the knowledge barrier. We do that with our pre and post adoption support. Um, we've worked many years um, hosting a conference called the Empowered to Connect Conference, which has just last year been rebranded as the Hope for the Journey Conference. Um, we um, also give scholarship to professionals um, who um, like to go to this training, um, who are going to training called TBRI, Trust-Based Relational Intervention Training at TCU University. Um, it is um, it is a, um, a teaching module that we really believe layers closely with the gospel. We believe at Show Hope that it is uh, really in line with the gospel. And, you know, uh, these kiddos that come home through adoption all have these invisible suitcases, like we all have, but, you know, early childhood trauma and early childhood attachment issues where, um, you know, if, if that attachment was wounded in relationship, we seek to kind of help heal that in relationship. And how can we give tools to parents um, to help in the process of raising a child who has been adopted? And we do that with the work of the Empowered to Connect Conference, I'm sorry, which is now called the Hope for the Journey Hope Conference. Yeah. So those are kind of the three areas that we work. Um, and so it's a lot. And uh, you can find out more at showhope.org. It kind of breaks it down real simply. But we're really blessed to be part of an incredible staff that really works, um, just works nonstop to really help get the mission out that we really want to partner well with families and help make them ho- as whole and healthy as possible. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, are there certain organizations that you guys partner with directly in which, um, you know, things like the adoption aid and medical medical care grants are awarded or does it matter at all, you know, who the, who the parents no. are working with? Um, as far as like financial um, aid grants for adoption, um, we work with many different adoption um, adoption organizations. If you are working with an adoption organization that is a nonprofit organization, then you can apply for an adoption aid grant. So we work with, you can apply no matter who you're working with. Unfortunately, we cannot give um, grants to people who are doing private adoptions with, um, with a consultant just because that is outside the bounds of what Show Hope can operate. But if you're working with an adoption um, agency that is um, a nonprofit, which is most of them, then we will consider your grant for an adoption aid grant. Um, as far as uh, other organizations that we partner with, we partner with um, the TCU Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development. They are the ones who um, who come and teach all the TBRI, uh, the trust-based relational intervention that has all been founded at TBRI through the work of of the um, Karen Purvis uh, Child Development 
um, organization there. They are a great organization that we work closely with. And then medical care grants, those grants are, are granted directly to families. And so if you, there's a lot of paperwork, but if you can fill out and show the need of um, medical care outside of what insurance has covered, then we would really love to partner with you and, and help take some of that burden off um, mm-hmm. so that you can um, use your resources in other areas to help your child. So that's uh, that's amazing that you guys are providing such an impactful resource for so many families. Um, can we speak a little bit more about your care centers, um, the locate yeah. where they're located, and can you del- can you give us a little bit of background on that? Um, the, yeah, the care centers. Um, again, we transitioned our work out of China about a year ago, but they are still, you know, we still have the building there called Maria's Big House of Hope. It was named in honor of our youngest daughter, Maria, who went to be with Jesus in 2008. And we really wanted to kind of honor her memory. And so we partnered with a great organization there, uh, New Hope Foundation, and um, built a building. Um, so many people wanted to give in memory of Maria that we were able to build this beautiful building painted blue with big white clouds. And, um, and so over the 10 years, we were able to help, like I said, over 2,800 children um, become um, again, a third of those, you know, healthy enough to go back to their uh, orphanage of origin to move towards adoption. A third of those we know um, became adopted into families worldwide. And a third um, were, ill enough that we were able to provide palliative care um, until they passed. And so just a really beautiful legacy. Again, we transitioned that work about a year ago out, but but the building is still there and, and um, the building that we provide is still there caring for children. So a beautiful work in the right in the center of China in Luyong, China. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then with that work kind of being transitioned out is when we started the medical care grants. And that's Maria's medical fund. Um, people who give to that then are giving to medical care grants that um, will help adoptive children become more whole and more healthy in the families that God placed them in. So, wow, that's wonderful. Uh, so, I I want to peel back the layers a little bit more on adoption. Um, a lot of people, when considering adoption, especially if it's a a you know if it's going to be something like a blended family type of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, they wonder things along the lines of, am I going to be able to love this child the same? Or um, just, you know, you have thoughts like that um, when you're considering adding to your family. How was your experience for you? I know you mentioned, well, first of all, to to start off by the prompt of an 11 year old, I think is so unique. (laughs) Um, unique. And and look at where you guys are today. She's just carved a very um, beautiful future for you guys in the adoption space and and has by default affected the lives of so many. Um, So I think that's wonderful that you guys um, took her seriously and and really, you know, went all into this. Yeah. But how yeah. was your experience? What was the experience of going through, ad- first of all, the actual adoption experience? Because a lot of people speak about um, the adoptive process just being so, you know, it's just so many details and it being a right. long waiting process. How was right. your experience and how, how did that impact, you know, you going in to show hope and offering the resources that right. you do offer? 
Yeah. So for me personally, you know, when an 11 year old <laughs> who was my oldest child, I, well, first of all, I'd like to say that that 11 year old is now the 35 year old executive director of Show Hope. So her yes, story was marked deeply by by this this work. Um, I, you know, Stephen and I back then in 1997 really wanted to at least model to our children that we were going to pray about what she felt God had put on her heart for a family. We just didn't want to, you know, Steve wanted to say, that's a great idea for your family someday when you grow up, but yet really take that seriously. And so I was, um, I think secretly, Stephen thought it was a great idea for our family. I think me as the mom, the one who was kind of, you know, the mothering instinct and bringing a child into the, the, into the home, I felt this heaviness, right? I did. I was the last holdout. I was the one with all the doubts, all the fears, can I love a child like, you know, this is my own. We did have other children. We weren't adopting out of a out of a, a, a home where we weren't able to have children. We had three. I call them natural and my adopted children supernatural because right. God just put this amazing you know, family together. I was scared. I was very, very fearful that um, Showy wouldn't receive the same kind of love that I was able to express to the children who were naturally born to me. I think in my particular story, God just did a radical movement when I met Joey. It was kind of like, hello, do you not get it now? I love you just the way that you immediately loved Joey, um, just because you exist, not for any other reason. I know that's that's not everybody's experience, right? Mm. There's different, you know, people struggle, people embrace, people, it's it's all, you know, everybody's walking in this journey. You know, sometimes it takes families longer than others to kind of become mm-hmm. where they feel whole and, you know, integrated. I think that's part of the reason, again, what we didn't know then, all we knew was, hey, this is a pretty amazing experience for us. We call it gloriously hard, right? It's mm-hmm. glorious, but there are some really hard pieces to it. I love that, how can yeah. we how can we partner well and go deeper with families to offer whatever we can to go? It's okay to feel this way. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay. You might feel this way. And then what are those kind of like peeling it back like an onion? What are those places we can step into to offer those resources? Took us a little while to kind of move towards that pre and post adopt adoptive Mm -hmm. piece where, you know, we can offer some practical tools and some practical guidance to families who are struggling in the journey or not struggling. It's a great resource for if you're thinking about adoption. You know, I wish we would have had some of the tools before we ever, you know, adopted that like the conference can offer. And so Stephen and I just like to be um, not idle, to be very aware that there's always another place you can step. While it might not be perfect, we just kind of see that need where, hey, you know what, this can be really isolating or be feeling really lonely because they felt this way about their adoption. What can we offer as a resource to kind of help move them through this really fearful part or the scared part or this hopeless part? Some people feel mm-hmm. so hopeless once they get into the journey of adoption. We, you know, it doesn't stop the day that the adoption's complete. You know, there's ongoing need, there's ongoing resources that become very um, like a lifeline to these families. And so if we can continue to just kind of keep our eyes and our ears open. We kind of like to step into those, those places. And for me, that was super um, important because I was so fearful and, and, and yet felt like for me, God was moving us toward adoption. I don't think everybody's called to adopt, but I do feel like everybody's called to do something, you know, Mm -hmm. God, you know, asks us to care for widows and orphans. So what can we do 
you know, stepping into those areas. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. I did read that quote and I thought it was wonderful, um, you know, to, to say you might not be able to do, you might not be able to adopt, but like you said, you can do something. Um, Now with the pre- pre-adoption support. I know you guys provide help, you provide aid um, on the financial side. Are there any other specific resources that you provide for parents who are considering adoption? And I know we we touched more so on the post side, but are there any specific um, resources on the pre-adoption side? So just, you know, anybody that applies for an adoption aid grant, regardless Mm -hmm. of whether you receive a grant or not, are, um, are, um, are able to click a box on the application and we will send you resources. Anybody and everybody that applies will send you a book and we'll send you some information. Um, a lot of times that pushes families towards the Hope for the Journey conference. That is a, it is an amazing pre-adoption um, resource that is available, but it's also really good for post-adoptive services as well. So that's, that's the thing that we really would like to see all families be able to take part in. Um, And it just seeks to um, encourage and better equip parents and caregivers who meet the everyday needs of children impacted by adoption or foster care. And so we try to keep the cost low so that it has high impact. And um, we try to help resource churches and agencies um, and other organizations as well to equip families. And so that that pre-adoption is kind of that's our messy area of work where we are trying to impact as many people who are impacting that child who may step into a family with their kind of invisible suitcases of early childhood Mm -hmm. trauma. We -hmm. know that if they were wounded in a relationship, we can help them heal in a relationship. So as many resources as we can offer um, is really helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'd like to delve in a little bit more on the suitcases, the invisible suitcases. We know that everyone has their own baggage and I'm sure particularly these children, um, in the adoption space. Can you tell us a little bit more about the type of trauma that you guys see coming through? And I know you also mentioned the, there's specific training, a trauma training that you guys are also, um, you have a, you're also, allowing, or I'm sorry, giving a lot of um, resources towards getting people to train for that as well as parents. Can you give us a little bit more of information on the trauma you're seeing yeah. for kids and how that training addresses it? Yeah. You know, we, you know, we read story after story after story of children who are just, um, they're scared, they feel hopeless, and they're just, mm-hmm. they have early childhood trauma, they have early childhood attachment issues, which then causes a lot of um, uh, a lot of angst in the home that can be played out in a ton of different ways, you know. Um, And so with with us working with Texas Christian University, which is not Texas Christian University anymore, I believe it's just called TCU Mm -hmm. um, with the Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development, they um, years and years of study and um, and research um, founded this uh, principle TBRI, which is trust-based relational intervention, and it is just um, a practical way for parents to learn a different kind of parenting and mm-hmm. caregiving resource to help these children um, kind of heal through the um, elements of relationship and help trust be relearned. Um, we, we at Show Hope, we offer scholarships to professionals who want to go to TBRI training at TCU. 
Um, we've helped, I think, over 1,500 professionals now become trained in TBRI. Mm-hmm. The Hope for the Journey Conference is all based on TBRI. Um, we have teaching um, we have um, teaching modules that go deeper with parents that just really help them along the journey and all the different parenting um, uh, situations that they might find themselves in. So different topics every year, it's going to be different, but it's all based around this learning of TBRI. That's wonderful. And, you know, it, it almost sounds like anyone that's going through the adoption process should probably get that training because you never really know until you know um, yeah, whether that's or right. not we, it's going to be needed. Exactly, exactly right. Stephen and I, you know, when, again, when we founded Show Hope, we were so captured by uh, this journey that God had taken us on bringing Showy home into our family that we thought love was enough. And we thought just this idea of breaking down that financial financial barrier to allow as many child children to become adopted was, you know, just amazing idea, which is, which was amazing, right? Like to date, we've been able to help over 7,900 families you know, come together. However, that kind of left them with this gaping, hey, we need resources. This is, this is really beautiful, but it's really hard. You know, it is really hard to, um, and, 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 and so then what did we do to kind of fill that gap as we began looking for professionals who were really in that space, doing it really, really well, helping families heal through um, early childhood trauma. So um, we, we love this work. It's messy. It's hard. But um, it is really bringing a lot of healing to a lot of families. And sometimes the most messy work is the most rewarding. And I think that describes parenting to a T altogether. So um, that totally makes sense. Well, I'd like to ask if there was a takeaway or the biggest takeaway that you'd like parents to know who may be considering adoption, what would that be? Um, I think that it is important. I think one, uh, you know, to know that um, it, it's also okay if you're not that person that's called to adopt. You know, again, that's why I love saying that um, not everyone's called to adopt, but everyone's called to do something. I've heard my husband in concert say often, you know, I think God has this big invitation for us to be um, included in this work. You know, and it's like, hey, I've got this great idea for you, and I'm inviting you into it. You know, and it's not a you should do this. And if you were, you know, a good person, you would do this. That's not it at all. It's just an invitation to go. If you really want to see what I'm up to, if you really want to see more about the heart of me, hey, let me let me show you. Let me invite you into this, and then just be prayerful about where that lands you. Because again, not everyone's going to end up on that adoption journey, but we're all called to be part of it some way. I've seen that so many times. I'm still on the grant committee that awards the grants. And again, that's been thousands now and time and time again, seeing the communities of believers, the community, the schools, the churches, the neighbors, the extended family that come around these families and support, they've all like stepped into the river, right? And so they've all kind of found their part to come around these families who were called to adopt. And it is this really beautiful picture of a body that's kind of completing this, this one adoption. It takes a village, right? And, um, and so I would just, I would just say, be prayerful, um, consider, um, and then just step back and see where God, you know, God directs and kind of go easy on yourself because he has something for us all to do. It's just kind of being mindful of what that might be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit more about Show Hope's second annual Hope for the Journey conference. 
Yeah, we're really, really excited. Like I said, we rebranded last year to Hope for the Journey Conference. It was formerly the Empowered to Connect Conference at Seeks Encourage and Better Equip Parents and Caregivers, meeting the everyday needs of children impacted by adoption or foster care. It's a low cost. Um, uh, it's a low cost conference with high impact. Um, we work to resource churches, um, agencies, and other organizations as they support and equip families, caregivers, and the communities they serve. Um, it's a one day. We know that people are busy, so we're trying to do this conference. It's a it's an online conference, you know, that you can stream and watch live anywhere in the world. It's going to be on, I believe, it's April eighth, um, twenty twenty two. You can find out more about it at showhope.org under our pre and post adoption services but um it structurally it's uh the hope for the journey conference is going to include five high level learning modules based on tbri like i talked about earlier along with Mm -hmm. we're going to add this year a fifth teaching component which is the gospel and tbri embedded with each learning module we'll also go deeper talking with some adoptive um i mean adult adoptive children. So that's going to be fun. We're adding this year, kind of getting the perspective of an adult adoptee. Um, And so really um, it is a great, like I said, a great resource for people considering adoption, people who are in the journey of becoming an adoptive family and definitely that post support piece. So I would highly encourage you to read more about it on our website at showhope.org under our pre and post adoption tab. So it's going to be exciting. We'll have folks from TBRI coming to teach us, um, and um, um, down at Texas Christian, they'll be they'll be um, part of the conference as well. And so we're excited about it. Wonderful. Well, it sounds very exciting. What can our listeners do to contribute to your cause? So, uh, you know, they may who may not be interested or may not be ready um, to go into the adoption space per se, but would still like to make a difference. What can they do? Yeah. So I would I would say um, one resource that is really available for for anybody who's even just considering anything with adoption, considering adoption or how they might be involved, Show Hope hosts a website called howtoadopt.org. And it is an invaluable resource where people can find out more about how to get involved. And really, it answers just about any question that you might have. Mm-hmm. As far as partnering partnering with our organization, if you'll go to showhope.org, you'll find a give tab. If you want to help us out financially, that's amazing. But there's also a whole list of things that of how you can get involved. Obviously, it is um, a hard and a messy work. We covet a lot of prayers. We ask people to pray for us all the time. That would be a great way to become involved in Show Hope. And there's a bunch of other ways to get involved on our website as well. Um, so showhope.org or howtoadopt.org are both really great resources. Wonderful. And how can we stay updated? Where can we follow you guys? Okay, you can follow me um, on, um, uh, I'm at MarybethChapman.com, Stephen is StephenCurtisChapman.com, um, and then we both have pages on Facebook that we update, and you can find us on Instagram, same names as well. So that's kind of where we are at, and um, and yeah, we are excited to continue to get the word out about, um, you know, everything that is going on at Show Hope and how we can um, meet the needs of families who are journeying in this um, wonderful world of adoption. Wonderful. Well, Mary Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. I, I just have to say you are an amazing mother 
and an amazing <laughs> advocate. And that is what we're all about here in, at The Momologist, you know, is really peeling back the layers, delving in, seeing what's needed, seeing what we have and gathering resources. And you've done that and more to the point where you have, you are now spreading that knowledge and spreading that support, you and, and your husband, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Uh, you guys you guys are clearly huge blessings to so many. So I'd like to thank you and thank you so much for being a part of our show well thank you for having me and thank you for uh letting me talk about what we love in the chapman family absolutely well thanks again for joining us all right thank you to learn more about show hope their resources and their annual hope for the journey conference please visit our show notes if you got value from this conversation be sure to subscribe to our podcast And most importantly, let's be the village and share this with two or more parents you feel will benefit from this information. Thank you so much for joining us this week on The Momologist.